this episode of What's the Hazard is being brought to you by these incredibly generous true believers in workplace safety and health. And I am truly grateful for their support. Custom Concrete Specialists, CCS Group, and Cheyenne Wolford. My buddy Jim Cover down at the Nebraska Department of Labor on-site consultation group. Jim and all of his consultants. John Falowich and Falowich Construction Services. And our latest sponsor, Building Omaha. Building Omaha is a partnership between the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, the IBEW, and the National Electrical Contractors Association, NECA. They pair highly trained electrical professionals with industry contractors to ensure they're able to serve customers safely and effectively. Building Omaha, the partnership that powers our city. Learn more at buildingomaha.org. Thank you all. We appreciate your support. All right, now let's get into this episode. Uh, this is Doug Fletcher, and you are listening to What's the Hazard? It is Friday, January 14th here in Omaha, Nebraska. We are expecting snow this afternoon, man. But uh, as we discussed in the parking lot, Jim and I are both equipped with Subarus, so <laughs> we fear no snowfall, I think. That's exciting. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Hey, um, the big news of the day is as of January 13th, SCOTUS basically put a stay on the OSHA ETS for vaccines, um, masking, testing. So I guess that's either. Should you define what SCOTUS is, you suppose? I'm sitting here wondering. <laughs> right, right. I finally the, put it together. The Supreme Court of the United States. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. So interestingly, perhaps the first time since I've been paying attention to safety and health, um, the Supreme Court was actually called upon to hear arguments of pro and con about this ETS. And as it turns out, the Supreme Court ruled that they did not believe OSHA had the authority to issue this ETS. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, very interesting. And so as of today, it is stayed. So all of my clients that were literally in a state of panic about how to do this, um, at least have been given relief yeah. for the time being. I don't know if there's a is there a way for this to be re, rear its ugly head again, or what's your understanding of that? Well, I, I just read what, what our attorney had sent out and some other stuff, and they <clears throat> they indicated that the Supreme Court said that they, they gave them some provisions that they needed to be more specific. I see. Like it needed to address situations where this arises more than than it would be in the community. It arises more at work. Okay, so, so why is work? Meatpacking examples. If you're side-by-side yeah. side with a bunch of people or somebody's breathing right in your face, maybe dental hygienist is an example. People that are that okay. are are well, it really is a heightened exposure risk, right? And okay. so I think that that was the directive that they gave is that if you're going to do this, mm-hmm. do it more, more stream, you know. So there is targeted. a possibility that OSHA could revamp this to some degree and then come back with it at some point. I, I'm no expert, but yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be what I would guess. Interesting, but well, I don't know the, if they will or not. Yeah. We'll so say. for the time being, uh, the ETS specifically for 100 plus employee employers has been stayed. Right. I think they did come back and say that the ETS for healthcare, where those uh, organizations, those facilities are, you know, partially funded by Medicare, Medicaid, it's a still a go for them. Is that what you understand? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was my understanding is that I that, that so. one state, that one uh, was upheld, was I upheld. Guess. Right. But the yeah, other was so, shot. So uh, as <clears throat> I always do, you know, check out Bear to Holmes uh, website. Randy Stevenson and, and his team put out great information about this, and there's been a lot of it recently. Uh, Eric Kahn, my buddy out at Kahn Maceal Carey, does the same thing. Mm-hmm. They are putting out, you know, minute-by-minute minute updates and information on this. So 
those are the resources that I use. Um, but uh, this is really interesting. Yeah, really interesting yeah, stuff. Interesting. Well, I better introduce my guest. We we jumped right into it before introductions. This is Jim Steele, my friend Jim, uh, EHS manager with Airlight Plastics here in Omaha. Um, safety man for approximately 30 years, I think we discussed just before we started. Something like that. Which is right around my time frame as well. Um, and many of you have heard Jim on the podcast before. Uh, this is, might be the first time you've gotten to actually see what a Jim Steele looks like. <laughs> uh, if you've not met Jim, this is Jim. Um, you've heard his voice. You'll recognize his voice. He's been a regular guest, and he's been very gracious about sharing knowledge and information on the podcast. But... It's nice to sit down when people get a chance to see you, man. And you actually dressed up for you this. You dressed right? up. I appreciate I saw that. You in a hoodie, and I'm yeah. thinking, oh, man. <laughs> right, right. This is dressed up for me, actually. Uh, 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 usually, it's some kind of a derogatory T-shirt or something, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. So, um, I think I've mentioned this before. Just to give you a little bit of Jim's history before we get right into the subject matter, this is a guy that has done safety and health for approximately 30 years. He's been a safety professional in the construction sector. He's done it in the general industry sector. You've had VPP sites in both construction and general industry. Right. You, I, to be quite honest, you are uniquely qualified, and I mean that in all sincerity. You're uniquely qualified to talk a lot about safety and health program implementation. I mean, there are a lot of folks that are tasked with running a safety program, but you've done it at the highest levels. And so that, I, I mean... I mean, I, and I, I don't mean to be, you know, but I mean, it makes you really uniquely qualified to talk about a lot of this stuff. So well, I appreciate that. I, I think that's really impressive. And so we're going to do two episodes. We're going to do two short episodes today. So listen to this one, stick around for the next one. Um, I want to talk about two things. Number one, I just want to talk about your evolution as a safety professional, just how your mindset has changed from the beginning to now and how you view things. And then I'd like to come back and talk a little bit about Hascom. We talked about Hascom just a few days ago and some of the evolution of that as well. So let's start off with just you as a safety professional from the beginning until today. How, how has your mindset changed? Well, uh, That's a I, big question. Well, it started off, I, uh, it was kind of interesting. I, I got into safety. I was working, I was in college and I was going, I was working at a prison facility. I was working there just be real clear okay, about that. Right. I was a, they allowed I was you to leave at the sentence. end of the day. It was not a sentence. It was, a, right. it was employment. They gave me a check and everything. So anyway, I was working there. I was a guard and I was just, you know, I was, I'd sit in the guard tower and watch people walk around the yard or I was running a housing unit for a while or a supervisor in a housing unit for a while. And there was a guy that would come out and he would inspect the fire extinguishers and a couple of things and go back to his office. And I wouldn't see him for another month and then he'd come out and do it again. And, you know, and finally, it, you know, at, at one point it dawned on me, if I had that job, I'd be getting straight A's in college, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cause, and anyway. not getting like shivved or whatever, or shank, <laughs> exactly. whatever you call it. Exactly. So anyway, so I, 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 uh, I ended up, um, uh, and my housing unit was doing all the safety stuff that needed to be done and, and, uh, and, and kind of enjoyed it. And they, this person ended up finding another job and, and that job came open. They asked me if I wanted it and I did. And. And so that was kind of how I got into safety, and I didn't know anything about it. They, and it was really interesting. At that time um, is when they passed, it was called LB-757, if you can yes, remember that. I do that remember. state law that, that, among other things, said that state agencies had to comply with OSHA standards. Right. There was never really an enforcement of that, but it was, it was on the books that that was what mm-hmm. had to happen. And so they dropped that on my desk and said, by the way, we need to make sure we comply with OSHA. And I was, my question was, what is OSHA? Sure. Right? Yeah. How do you do that? 
that had this book. And so I started learning. I started going to the safety council and going to some of their classes and and uh, uh, Dave Stolp, if you remember Dave, hopefully he's listening. And everybody knows Dave. Yeah, everybody got started with Dave. And so yeah. that was, uh, so he teaching classes and I just started learning. And I think if, as far as evolution is concerned, you start off kind of like the way OSHA started off is, is uh, you just start learning what's right and what's wrong. You know, mm-hmm. what's, what's the standards say and coming up, you know, and trying to make sure you're complying with standards. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, um, you know, once you get to the end of that and you're kind of complying with the standards and realizing people are still getting hurt, you know, yeah. you start rethinking things. And I, I don't know, you, you start getting older and wiser, I suppose, you, you know. Um, I'm just trying to think how that evolves. Um, uh, I'm sure that's the case. I mean, yeah. you know, um, in, in my, you know, in some of the discussions you and I have had uh, around topics like compliance, you know, is compliance really what should be driving safety and health decision-making or discipline. That's a common one. And you have some interesting thoughts on discipline, which I actually tend to agree with. You know, want to share a little bit about how you've evolved in that? I think um, one thing that evolved was that the idea of punishing people for not doing it the right way doesn't get you very far. It just, Mm -hmm. it get it, it creates a negative atmosphere around safety is what it really does. Mm-hmm. And, Definitely. and, uh, you know, I also though don't like the idea of giving people rewards every time they do something right. It's like, a, I w- <laughs> I'll tell this funny story. I was doing a class where I took that idea where you hand out, we were doing a class and anytime somebody participated, I'd give them a piece of candy and we were, you know, asking questions if they did, I'd give them a piece of candy. And finally this one guy goes, or, 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 or. <laughs> <laughs> and you flip the candy. Yeah, flip the candy. And... I thought I got to find a better way than this. This is not working. That's a great I don't want point. To treat people like that. Yes. You know? and nobody wants to be treated like that. I'm, right. You know, I'm intelligent. I, you know. Yeah. So if I have something to say, I'll want. offer it up. Exactly. Exactly. And so, and if you're having a genuine conversation with people, then they'll have a conversation with you. Yeah. You meet them where they are. You know, those are all things. I think that. Well, that's something I could go off on is is meeting people where they are and not judging it. You know, mm-hmm. we tend to want to think from our egos, which says things are right or wrong or good or bad or smart or dumb or whatever. And if you just approach people where they are and figure out where they are, you can go from there. And that yeah. comes back to the to the the whole discipline thing. Is is there's really only two reasons I think to let somebody go to fire somebody, and that would be dishonesty or insubordination. Mm-hmm. That's it. And, mm-hmm. and anything else, if you're honest with me and you're willing to kind of do things the way you and I agree we're going to do it once we reach an agreement, if, if you're that kind of person, then we can work together. It doesn't matter where we start. We're going to start from wherever you are, and we're going to go from there. And, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the way I've evolved into that. that so, I don't judge people for where they are. I just try to meet them there yeah. and then go from there. And so when someone violates a safety policy – there, there's a tendency for people to, you know, want to discipline them, you know, give them that verbal warning. And we used the example before we started talking, um, you know, Johnny's not wearing his safety glasses, so I give him a verbal warning. And I next week, Johnny's not wearing his safety glasses, so I give him a written warning. And then right. next week, Johnny's not wearing his safety glasses, so I g- suspend him for three days. And, you know, that's kind of the traditional OSHA view of right. progressive discipline. And that doesn't really... Well, but what you're talking about now is insubordination. So well, you perhaps. would let somebody go for insubordination, but if John is not wearing that. But you want to find out why is he like you said? Why isn't he wearing the safety glasses? Is it poking right. him in the eye? Does it make us foggy? I mean, what what's going on that's yeah. creating a problem for him? Well, we had a situation where there was a guy, exact same situation in our warehouse. We require that wear safety glasses, <clears throat> and the so the main hazard is, and that's a 
great question, by the way, is to always start with what's the hazard. I think mm-hmm. that's a, I love that, the name that's of the this. Point. You start there, and then you work out from it. So you're in the warehouse, and they're saying, well, what's the hazard? Why do I have to wear safety glasses? And, oh, okay, well, you're in a warehouse, nothing's flying out at you. Mm-hmm. But when you're picking something up off the top shelf and you tip it back, sometimes there's wood and particles and dust that could fall down into your eyes, and now right. you're on this forklift, and you've got something in your eyes, and you can't see and so that's the hazard. Now you got control of this forklift that you can't use your eyes to control it. What are you, you going to get off of it? What are you, what are you going to just stand there and scream and for help? Yeah. So that's the hazard. And people, then they realize that. They go, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, this guy says, well, I still hate the glasses. It blocks my periphery vision. I can't see. I have to twist my neck around. My neck hurts, that kind of thing. So we, for this particular guy, we put a piece of plexiglass over the top so that he could see through it, but nothing could fall down into his eyes. Mm-hmm. And we went with that as a solution for him. I love you it. Know, so we met him where he was at, and we went from there. Right. And and that's what we, you know, that's what we do. So we try to accommodate, you know, just reasonable accommodations. Is, yes. Is and, a, and is a good example. You know, it's an interesting question when an employee asks you, well, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to wear this? Right. You know, we, as a safety person, it's sometimes we quickly just become defensive in that. Well, right. it's because, you know. Yeah, exactly. But the reality is it's a valid question. Yeah. It's always hazard? a valid question. What's the hazard? Yeah. You know, that is a valid question and, and probably a question we should always be asking. Yeah, I think from safety, you always start with that. What yeah. is the actual hazard? And yeah. How do I look? <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> this whole video adds a whole dimension to it. It does. Like, and I know, man, I know. I'm I look wondering like, if I have a booger or anything. I look like this. I totally get it, man. I yeah, in the past when we were just voices, we we could have you know, people were imagining us to be probably very handsome and you know you know very professorial looking or something. Exactly. Sorry <laughs> to disappoint you, but you know that gets back to you know my buddy Aaron uh, mentioned one time that you know if somebody's behaving unsafely, it's probably because we have a flawed procedure. Or maybe we don't have a procedure, we don't have a work practice, or maybe our training sucks or something like that. Right. So the whole idea of this progressive discipline when someone, I think it, it, it's all contingent upon those initial questions. Right. If someone is refusing to wear their safety glasses simply out of insubordination, yeah, that's, that might that's require some ass kicking. Yeah. But, that's you know, problem. if I'm not wearing my safety glasses because they, as you said, they obstruct my vision... They hurt, they're uncomfortable, whatever that might be, and we don't yeah. ask that first. I think, you know, just this reflexive verbal guy. written warning stuff is uh, pointless. Steel toe shoes is a good example. We have a guy, we had a guy at one of our plants that uh, he worked in the machine shop, carried on heavy steel. Uh, if he had dropped it, it would have, like, popped his toe like a grape, mm-hmm. right? It would have it would have been bad for him. And so we, we require steel toe shoes, and... And he was diabetic and says, I can't, I don't want to have anything. I got this special shoe that I wear. I love this shoe. It's comfortable. I don't want to mess with anything that's going to, that's going to affect my, you know, this diabetes. I don't want to get any kind of sores or blisters or anything on my feet. And that's totally reasonable, right? Right. But are we going to still allow him to carry steel and drop it on his toe? That was still an unacceptable level of risk as Mm -hmm. well. So we had to work with the guy. I said, look, let's just try some boots and we'll order some. If they don't work, we'll take them back and order some more. And if those don't work, we'll take them back and we'll get something for you. And if we had to spend 500 bucks to get that guy up to speed uh, in order to get a really good pair of shoes for him, um, then... What does that tell that guy? Yeah. It tells him we care about him, which right. is another point that I wanted to make, is that yeah. really what safety is about is about caring about people. Mm-hmm. And, and if you want a great job, uh, a job where, where uh, you have a, 
you have a really good mission, that's being in safety. I mean, because it doesn't matter what you're making, what the widgets are. We're making plastic food containers that, you know, at the end of the day, what do you do with that when you're done with it? There's not much left of that, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, when, but my job is to make sure that, you know, we're looking out for people. Yeah. And that just gives that, that just, I don't know that you can't have a better, better thing than that. Right. I I totally agree, man. And most people that, um, are directed into safety, resent it to some degree. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had another job. I'm a skilled laborer or whatever, and I had an accident or I have an issue. They've moved me into safety. It's almost like a demotion or, you know, but like Mike Rowe says, you know, find something, get good at it, and learn to love it. Yeah. <clears throat> That's exactly the course that I took. I, I came to safety. It was not what I was actually looking at. Mm-hmm. I found myself in safety, and I... You know, I studied it. I learned it to the extent that I felt like I was competent in it. And I have grown to really love it as a profession. I love it, you know. Well, you get to care about people. You get to care about people. And, you know, I look around our plant. We have grandmothers and and grandfathers and favorite uncles and daughters and sisters and brothers. And and that's really what it's all about is that we're – I'm assigned with the task of looking out for people's relationships, Mm -hmm. right? And so when you think of it – That's a great way to look at it. Yeah, and and one of the things I'll do when I talk to people – about uh, some safety concerns, right? Riding the forklift, I do this one a, not a good bit, but from time to time, I'll see mm-hmm. somebody doing something stupid on a forklift mm-hmm. and uh, not looking where they're going or backing it, you know, driving into an area and not having a spot or those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Yeah. And I'll talk to them about that. I say, you know, I say, hey man, who's your? I'll ask who, who's your favorite person in your family right now? Is it your grandmother, your daughter? And they'll come up, whatever their grandmother. And I say. There's some grandmothers around here. Do you want to be the guy that ran over some grandmother's toe? You know, <laughs> or worse, <laughs> or worse. Yeah, yeah you ran over someone's horrible. daughter. Right. You want to be that guy? Nobody wants to be that guy. Right. You know, right. and so when you can bring it down, and when you come at it from that place, mm-hmm. um, you meet them there. Meet them where they are. Yeah, that, that's a great there. expression, yeah. man. I think you're absolutely right. You're the one that told me. It's been a few years ago, I'm sure, but safety is just about relationships, trust, and engagement. Yeah. You know. Build these relationships, develop trust with the employees you're charged with protecting, right. and then engage them in the process. Yeah. It's fairly straightforward when you talk, describe it like that. But I think when coming out of an OSHA background, I was so fixated on compliance, yeah. compliance, compliance. You know, I think compliance is certainly a small part of what we do, but it is not the end goal of what we do well i think yeah and that's something i we we do that and one of the things we do at airlight is is the uh, osha standard is the baseline Mm -hmm. it's the level below which we won't go for anything we're just we're going to comply with the osha standard uh but we're going to build on that and we're going to build on top of that uh where it makes sense where there's a hazard we're going to go above and beyond that if there's no hazard like we're going to talk about hascom in a few minutes Mm -hmm. and if we don't have you know a safety data sheet on whiteout that's in the secretary's desk whiteouts that Used to be a delete button now. People that use typewriters used to <laughs> right. use whiteout. I do. So, yeah. So, uh, but if you, you know, that obviously is not going to get a lot of my attention. Um, right. I'm going to make sure that we probably have that, but I'm not going to go to great lengths to make sure we do that. Right. Um, but I will go to great lengths to make sure that, that we get the ice off the sidewalk. Absolutely. Those kinds of things. Right? That's, a, that's so. a great comment, man. So. We're going to be compliant. And again, everyone understands that OSHA regulations are the minimum acceptable by law. That is the expectation. And so we're going to be compliant. But where we have hazards, where we have employees at risk, we're going to go above and beyond. And not everybody approaches it that way. Right. 
You know, they weigh equally checking the fire extinguisher every month with guarding the mechanical power press and, <laughs> you know, which not the same, uh-uh, you know, yeah. typically not the same. So yeah. I think that's an important consideration that, you know, we're going to meet the OSHA minimums. Well, you always, and I always look at that the last, that's the last thing. So the conversations I like to have are what's the hazard and how do we control it? And then once we've agreed on something, then let's look at the standard and see does it at least meet or exceed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you get stymied when you start looking at the standard. Well, we need to just meet the standard. And you start from that place, then two things happen. One is that's as far as you ever get. Mm-hmm. And you exclude all kinds of other ideas that might yeah. also comply with that. Oh, that's really so good. just set man. that aside and, and use your brain, use your brainstorming abilities, your creativity, and come up with something inventive that they like that's theirs. And then Engage my them. job is to whittle that back into, well, how does this comply with OSHA? Right. And make that argument. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and. I love that, man. Yeah. I think most people get that out of sequence. I think they have the sequence reversed. Yeah. Let's be compliant and then make it work. Right. Yeah, you exactly. Know, cram a square peg into a round <laughs> hole, you know? Yeah. And I think you're right. I think let's identify the hazard. Let's come up with a solution. Yeah. How and then let's make sure that we're as compliant as possible, right. you know? And, and sometimes you'll that. end up getting these, you know, people will want to go so far above and beyond. I, I find when I when I approach it like that, my biggest challenge oftentimes is holding them back a little bit because mm-hmm. I know they're going to come up with this great idea that they're, you know, at six months from now, it's going to be a really pain in the behind to do all of these steps that they're laying out to control the hazard. Right. You know, but they come up with great ideas that that if you work with them, you know, uh, you just don't want to create a lot of administrative burden is what I'm yes. saying. And a lot of times they'll do that, that particularly when you, the conversation goes, well, they need to do this and they need to do that. As soon as they come into the picture, that's them. <laughs> right. <laughs> then you kind of go, well, who is going to do it? You need a yeah, name yeah. for that. And then exactly. when you have to put a name on it, Joe's going to do it. Then Joe's going to say, I'm not doing that. That's, right. You know, that's going to be a lot of work. And, and so you still got to figure those things out. Yes, but, it, is, um, it is a little bit of a balance. You, yeah. you want those processes in place. You don't want to just lob more administrivia on people. Right. That, and here's another one that I that I view a lot is is you ask yourself the question: Would you rather people be 100 percent compliant with something that's 80 percent safe, or would you want them to be say 30 percent compliant with something that's 100 percent safe? That's an interesting question. It's 100 percent safe if you do it this way, but man, we're gonna have to beat people into submission to get them there. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd much rather go but with the eighty percent and get everybody and get on it, board. Yeah, I'd much rather do that. Well, it's kind of like the paradigm shift that we talk about. You know, I'm going to produce a quality product as safely as possible. Right. I'm going to provide a quality service as safely as possible. Right. It's not absolute. We're not talking absolutes necessarily. Well, yeah. Even the definition yeah. of safety is is by the National Safety Council is. Is what is it? <laughs> acceptable risk. Yeah. What, about what is? Yeah. You have to control establishing a level of control acceptable hazards. Risk control the hazards to an acceptable level of risk. You yeah. want to control the hazards to an acceptable level of risk. That's an acceptable level of risk. Absolutely. We took a huge risk coming here on the interstate, and there's yeah, you know, some ice that's going to be coming, <laughs> right. and that kind of thing. And right. so we control the hazards, make sure I got good tires and my airbags working, and mm-hmm. drive whatever. a Subaru. Drive a Subaru. That's right. right. All-wheel drive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, but Deal we are masculinity make- later. <laughs> That's exactly right, man. No, I, I completely agree. And this is a great way to think about it. Yeah. That, that's a lot of food for thought, man. So I think our time is up on this. Let's wrap it up. And okay. um, we'll move on to Hascom next because that's a really interesting discussion. Sounds good. But I think these are really, I think this is really good food for thought, man. I 
you know, meet employees where they are rather than just hammer them with stuff. And that is such a difference. Just join them. Join them. They want to control the hazard. Nobody wants to get hurt. Right. Figure out what the hazard is. Sometimes it's a bit of a stretch to get them to accept the fact that there's a hazard, but yes. you know that that becomes the challenge sometimes. Oftentimes, but, yeah. But uh, and then you know trying to figure out well what is an acceptable level of risk. Well, OSHA right. sets the minimum, so we got to get to that. But let's right. set that aside for now. Let's figure out a way to do it, right. and we'll look back at that. That's, I like that. That's the best approach, I think. That sounds good, man. Thank you, Jimmy. Hey guys, I want to do a small business spotlight for you. Um, we have been working recently with a company called Wicked OSHA. Uh, Brent Colvin and his team have come up with a really useful solution for safety and health management for small contractors. Uh, It is an app-based system that helps you develop and manage your safety programs, your training, your documentation. I know this is incredibly challenging for small businesses like roofing contractors, small specialty trade contractors, and frankly, anybody that has a mobile workforce, I think this would be incredibly useful. So, Go check out Wicked OSHA. It's at wickedosha.com and see if this might be something that you would be willing to give a shot. I think there is a free trial opportunity. And so um, in, in what I've seen of it, I think this is going to be incredibly useful. So go take a look at it. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you listening and watching. Hopefully you're watching on YouTube and now you've had an opportunity to see what <laughs> safety people look like. That may dissuade you from the career, if nothing else. But um, have a great weekend. Uh, if you're living here in Omaha, you know, be careful. I know we're supposed to get some bad weather blowing in here pretty soon. Um, keep, keep moving forward with the mission. What we do is righteous work. It's important work. And so, um, keep doing the best you can and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. A Huda Media Production.